Welcome to A Match Made in Space. I'm Allie Goodman. And I'm John Walter. And we are a married couple showing each other the 80s movies of our childhood. And this week we are doing 1983's The Outsiders. Allie's showing this to me because it's a movie that surprisingly I've I'd never seen before. Shocking. Even though like I spent most of the late 90s, early 2000s, uh, you know, all greasered up uh, you know, with a nice little pompadour and everything. I still... Just had never seen it. Everyone always like made outsiders references to me, assuming I had, but I had not. Uh, so anyway, this uh, this movie is 1983, The Outsiders, directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, screenplay by I believe her name is Kathleen Rowell, uh, based on the novel by Essie Hinton, uh, who Ooh. actually has a cameo in this uh, as in a small part as a nurse. She, it was stars... also, she was also a 16 year old girl when she wrote it, so and it's kind of amazing. It is amazing, except uh, I'll, I'll talk about it later. Yeah. Um, but uh, I was going to list the the rather it's kind of a murderer's row of like young '80s actors uh, in this cast. I mean, it's well, C. Thomas Howell probably being the least successful has the major part, but um, he was pretty successful. No, but for I, mean, while. I yeah, mean, yeah, but I mean, relatively speaking, yeah, okay, you know, when compared to all right. Right. Well, all right. About about par with Ralph Macchio, but you know. But then we get like you got your Rob Lowe's, your Patrick Swayze's, your Emilio Estevez's. There's a bunch of them. Tom Cruise's, Diane Lane. So I guess was not a young hot actor of that time, and she kind of disappeared for about twenty years right after this. Uh, your Leaf Garrett's, <laughs> your Tom's Waits. Your Tom's Waits. Yes. Uh, you know, <laughs> you know, it's 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 a very it's a very like. Young star-studded cast. I would say this is almost like I. I mean, maybe it, maybe this was the beginning of the Brat Pack. I, uh, you know, but like this is like a maybe a proto Brat Pack movie. Sure. You know, it's uh, you know, like the all the young hip Hollywood stars. And hilariously enough, it like an observation I made uh, was that it seems like the bigger a part they had in this movie, the less their career did. Yep. You know, over time. Because like you're, it's like this movie's front loaded with uh, like the the biggest major characters in this movie are C. Thomas Howell, uh, Ralph Macchio, and Matt Dillon, and you know all three of them had other very successful movies, but none of them are really like household name actors. You know they're they're all kind of like, you know who they are, but you don't really you know like they're not mega successful. And then you got like. Tom Cruise barely says a word in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, you know, he's huge. Rob Lowe, small part, pretty big. Emilio Estevez has a mid-sized part, and he had kind of a mid-sized career. Mm-hmm. You know, like, very successful for a few years and gone. Patrick Swayze has a mid-sized part, and he kind of had that same arc where for, like, the late 80s, early 90s, he was the biggest star in the world. And then before and after that, he was just sort of like... Patrick Swayze. Well, and I was going to say, when you said this is sort of the beginning of the Brat Pack, I think the only two Brat Packers that are in there are Rob Lowe well, and Emilio. Well, that's Estes. why I said proto-Brat Pack. Oh, okay, proto-Brat It's proto-Brat Pack. You know, like, it's like, well, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like when people say, like, the Velvet Underground was, like, the beginning of punk, you know, they're not right necessarily, but, you know, it's like, you know, yeah, they had a couple of hard, edgy numbers, and they sang about drugs, but, you know, they, they weren't really. And it's, it's this. It's a proto-Brat Pack movie. It's, it's you know, it's got a couple of couple of Brat Packers floating in, and it's got a couple of, like, I feel like, you know, if, like, the Rat Pack had, like, those auxiliary members, I feel like someone like Tom Cruise would be sort of an auxiliary Brat Pack. Mm. Not really a member of the Brat Pack, but kind of in their auxiliary, you know? And I'd, like, see Thomas Howell, probably the same. Mm-hmm. You know, he'd be kind of like Don Rickles to the Rat Pack. You know? Yeah. Okay, so anyway, about uh, The Outsiders, which, by the way, I, I'm going to just go on record and say this is a pretty decently awesome movie. Um, oh, yeah, it's a good movie. I, yeah. I you know, I, I didn't avoid it for any reason other than I just never saw it. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't like, oh, I'm not going to watch this piece of crap. I mean, it's it's not perfect. No, 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 it has moments. Uh, it has but it's, its moments. But it's, 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 it's a good movie. It's a, it's, it's, it's a bit melodramatic. 
has you its know, moments. It's, it's, yeah, it has its moments, uh, you know. But again, that's why I say, like, it, 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 you can tell it was written by, like, a 16, 17-year-old girl because it de- definitely has, like, the, you know, everything kind of – and it, plus, I mean, I know it's not a very thick book. I've seen the book. I've never no, read it. But, I have. like But, like, everything happens, like, bang, bang, bang. It's like, yeah. here's a crisis, here's a crisis, here's a crisis, you know. So it's – you know, it's it's definitely got kind of the teenage idea of like melodrama to it, but mm-hmm. it's it's a, I mean, but it's a solid, I mean, it's it's a very you know, it's a very solid movie. I you know, there's, you know, it's gonna be interesting to talk about because though though there's some things I could easily like make fun about it, it's like our traditional thing of just going through and going, and then this ridiculous thing happened. It's a little hard to do with this. Yeah, I mean, it's easy with Repo Man because Repo Man's ridiculous. Well, yeah, the whole movie is. And just by the like way, welcome movie. back, Emilio. Yeah, I know, we, we right? missed you. you know? We've been having a few. Uh, a few. We're gonna have a lot of repeat people. offenders uh, throughout, throughout the, uh, the the time here, you know, because there, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, of uh, the upcoming movies I know have some overlap, especially me because. I'm gonna be pulling out a lot of action movies, and there's mm-hmm. a there's a there's a there's a you know like a you know like maybe a half dozen people who did every action movie I in think the eighties. The next movie that I show will have one recognizable person, which is uh, one more than Anna to the Infinite Power had. True, true, true that. Know. Yeah, so, so I'm I'm getting better. Yeah. Although I did show you the Outsiders. No, so you showed I, me. No, so no, no, I guess, no, you're fine. You know, no, no, this is well. This movie. This, this movie is the anti yeah, of the Infinite this, this Power. Like it's a huge, uh, not huge budget, but you know, like it's a very big budget. It's very, you know, like very competently acted. It's very, you know, it's, you know, it, it's got a lot of lot of famous people. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's it's, it's shot on actual film. Yes, it appeared. It, was. it appeared in movie theaters. You know, they're really almost the exact opposite movie. The only real difference. Well, may, there may have been some soap opera actors. Also in The Outsiders, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, well. Um, I was going to say, I just wanted to point this out, that I got to give Francis Ford Coppola a little bit of, like, high five here, being an actor and seeing how he set this movie, the the credits of this movie up from the very beginning. Like, first of all, the way that the, it's, it's a little overblown in my opinion. Now, granted, maybe in a movie theater it would have been, like, really cool to see the outsiders like it it scrolls across the stream and screen there's a lot of overblown yeah overblown yeah yeah so but 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 what i did like is like he does this thing where you he puts the cast over this is all over by the way um stevie wonders um yeah song uh, yeah uh, and i just want to put in a little like flag here like one of those please sign here tags Mm -hmm. i'm gonna put that down and say Let's talk about the music in a moment. We will talk about the music, <laughs> but in a moment, um, yes. But I, I, what I was going to say was over this, you know, really ballady song by Stevie Wonder, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, there's he he po- you know he's he's got this pretty picture in the background, but what he does over it is he puts the the characters in that you know th- like you would see the credits rolling at the end. He posts it at the beginning, which wasn't uh, that. Unheard no, of in back but, in the day, but, but uh, what the, he the does, format is awesome. But what he does is he he po- he like pops it up on the screen, then he like brings it in as a close up, and, and then it scrolls up, up very slowly, so you get to see. And it's kind of presented like a playbill. Yes, it's like it actually is like sorry, like Rob Lowe as soda pop, pop curtis, curtis right you know, exactly or, it was really kind of nice you know, and i was like super and plus it helps to like see the names to be like because this this movie has this movie has got some ridiculous names in it and yes. i mean it. it, it Thankfully, it does comment on the fact that like two of the most ridiculous named characters in the movie, you know, they actually they actually say 
my dad gives you know like liked weird he was a you know liked weird names or yeah whatever he, he said, was an original know, guy he's an original guy and you know, like then soda pop is actually on his birth certificate but what it's I, not a nickname but also if you if you really pay attention you don't you can't really hear the names popped up that well like you you get cherry valance you get pony boy you get soda pop but like you don't get a lot of the last names you don't names. really get the last names you don't i well, mean some of them you do. dally you hear but like you it takes well, you that, that's really the thing. dally da- i would not know, have known his name was dallas yeah like for the long, not just because they say because they don't actually say Dally because they're they're like in Oklahoma and they're all kind of rural and drawly, like it's basically it's a lot of it sounds like Dell and Delhi. Yeah. To me, like so, like if I had not like known at the beginning that his name was Dallas, I would have assumed his name was Dell. Mm-hmm. And Daryl, they call which they is call, by the way my my brother's dog's name, so I yeah. pictured him as a adorable a little pug. little pug. Yeah. Um, and Daryl, who is Patrick Swayze's character, is. His name is Daryl, but they call him Derry. Like they say Derry all the time, yeah. which sounds like which which isn't surprising when his two younger brothers are Soda Pop and uh, Pony Boy. Yeah. So you would think that Derry, Soda Pop, Pony Boy, hey, it yeah. all works out, you know. But his name is actually Daryl. But I did like that. I like that because you don't hear you hear Steve's name mentioned once. You hear you know Bob's name mentioned later. You know what I mean? Like you don't really know. And it's so nice that we got this like sort of precursor cast yeah and it and did you, and, and it did it, it did it did a lot like the way Shakespeare or someone would do it like in a, like on a play of a, like the Capulets the Montagues right it's like the it's, you know the, the greasers, greasers the, the socias and then also star, like all you know whatever yeah. and it was really nice and, and, and un- unfortunately oh, yeah. I, I misread the scroll and yes, I, my did. first thought I turned out I'm like wait Tom Waits is playing a soche what yeah, that doesn't mean <laughs> no, just, so those of you who haven't seen um, the the movie or haven't read the book real real quick Let me do, you want me to do you want me to do my the, the four sentence or whatever sure sure okay Okay, um, it's. I'm gonna, let me take a breath. Take a breath. Okay, basically, it a bunch of poor guys from one side of the tracks in this town are called greasers. There's a bunch of guys on the other side of the tra- tracks called socias. The two greasers and the socias uh, fight all the time. Uh, one of the one of the uh, socias drunkenly is bullying uh, another one of the so uh, one of the greasers. one of the greasers, uh, Pony Boy, the main character, C. Thomas Howell. He's nearly drowns him. Uh, the karate kid stabs him in the back and kills him, and they go off into hiding and live in a church for a while. Then they come back. There's a big oh, they save a bunch of people in a burning church. There's a big bunch huge fight. bunch of bunch of little kids. There's a big huge fight. A lot, and then a couple a couple of characters die, and then everyone stays gold. There we it's go. Pretty, pretty, pretty Summed well the done. Movie. Just great. Okay, I, just, I guess we're done. I buy myself. Right, right, good night, just, folks. Uh, good night. See you. No. Uh, anyway. <laughs> but yeah, it's um, but you know, like it, it essentially what it is is it's a movie about like you know the you know that high, it, it is like like the Montagues and the Capulets. It's, it's 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 a movie about feuds and social order. Really, when you get down to it, you know, it's it's you know it's class. It's you know you're a greaser because you're poor. Right. You know you're not even a greaser necessarily because you're like into '50s music. I mean, this is this is the mid '60s at this point. Yeah. A lot of these people like you know, like and it, it's rural, not rural, but like suburban Oklahoma. Oklahoma yeah. So it's like you know like it's part of that thing. Like we forget that the '60s for most of it were essentially closer to the '50s. Right. Than like we like we as a culture like think the entire '60s was just a bunch of love beads and you know sitar music and beards and everything like that. But if you look at my my dad was born in 1950. He was 18 in 1968. I remember looking at a picture like of his uh, Iowa high, high school yearbook, and I right now have longer hair than the than like the longest haired guy in there and my hair doesn't even come down to my like just touches my eyebrows <laughs> you know so you know like the 60s that we and this is 1968 this is the same year you know like this was this was like 
this was the year after the summer of love you know this is like you know just before woodstock you know sergeant pepper had been out you know it's like but most of middle america is still very conservative but, but to go back the greasers they're not they're just greasers because they're poor right. they're not greasers because they're all rockabilly guys in right. fact none of them listen to rockabilly I mean, they, they, you know, like they're, they're listening to like, like the one song that you actually hear and uh, we're, we're going to go back to music soon is uh, Gloria by them. You yeah. know, it's the only contemporary song you actually hear in this movie. I think I don't remember there being any other, you know, like maybe there's another one. Uh, but if it is, it's, it's, it's another garagey kind of sounding song like I w- that. I was going to also say before we go into the music, cause it's going to, I know that's going to take up some time is that just, just a real quick backtrack to Tom Waits. I, I would like to say that um, kudos to Coppola for this as well. He cast him as in 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 a role with a name that is the Tom Waitsiest name character name ever. What was that? I can't Buck remember. Buck Merrill. Buck Merrill. Yeah, that is a very the but, Tom well, Waitsiest name. I don't know. I feel like Tom Waits ever. could have also played a character like Tom Waits has the range to play a character probably named Soda Pop or Pony Boy as well. I think he could do it. He never would have been these two guys. Though. He would have talked about it. He, no, no, I'm not saying those guys. I'm saying the name. It would have oh. been a different kind of guy. Yeah. Like Soda Pop would end up being like some weird hobo that collected like you know the lids off of Soda Pops and made them into necklaces and right. sold but them to in, like in sailors the, in Singapore. You know? Not in your weird realm of whatever brainchild you've it's just, just created. Trombones. What That's I'm, all I'm doing. saying is that um, in this movie, in the world the rest of us are living in. In the world, I like Coppola, this new persona you've come up with over the last few podcasts of dismissive, cruel person. And the, and the in the world that Francis Ford Coppola created and S. E. Hinton wrote, I think that he did a nice job casting him as. Oh no no Buck I Buck Merrill is a very is a fantastic. It's a fantastic Tom, Tom Waitsian name. name. Yes. And now let's talk about the music. Well, actually, I never got to finish the social stuff. I was going to actually go oh, into. Okay. There's a whole scene where uh, I was saying it's a class you're born into. It's not a style necessarily. Yeah, you know, two bit and uh, and actually uh, Daryl mm-hmm. do have like uh, you know greaser hairstyles, uh, you know, and and uh, Johnny does Ralph Macchio's character, but you know, and Ponyboy later does, but he didn't really at the beginning. No, you know, but um, they, you know, it's just that they're poor, so they're the greasers. The other ones are the socials, which I assume since it's spelled S O C is like you know like social, yeah, you know, you know whatever, but. Socialites, I, yeah, I guess. Yeah, whatever. I've right? never heard that term outside outside of the context of this movie yeah. ever used in my life. You know, greasers thrown about quite easily, but yeah. that's not. But um, there's a thing about, you know, you're – and they talk about it a lot in this. You know, like some of the characters, both Johnny does this and uh, the the other big social that wasn't played by Leif Garrett and wasn't killed uh, with the curly hair. Does Randy? Randy. Yeah, Rand, Randy or Randall or whatever his yeah. name is. Yeah, he also mentions, like – and Diane Lane talks about it too, is like the idea that, like – this this distinction is stupid and meaningless. Yes, it's a very like that's 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 kind of the subtext that goes into this whole movie. Is this like it's just you're a greaser because of where you're born, right? You're not a greaser because because yeah. of us. It's not like in their world, greasers are on the north yeah. side and socias are on the south side. The right. south side soch, yeah. which is really weird for me in my brain Chicago, because I'm yeah. from Chicago, right. and so for us, the south side is would be 
technically the considered the wrong the side, of the, side tracks, of the tracks. Yeah. And the north side is Everyone's like, heard Bad Bad Leroy Brown. They know. They know the yeah. south side of Chicago is the baddest part of town. This is true. You know, they know the, these things. But um, Do you all know these things? They, they, they do. They also know that you don't tug on Superman's cape. You don't spin the wind. Uh, <laughs> Which you know, I think, mask we, you know, can we just, Oh, can we, yeah, let's have a diversion here because we've had this discussion before. We've had conversation before that, you know, it isn't Superman's cape that's the issue. Yeah, Jim may be a badass. Yeah, but I mean, but Superman would be like, yo, dude, you know, let's just not tug on my cape. No, 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 you know, I feel like if if Superman, if you tugged on Superman's cape, cape, if you tug on his cake, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what the thing is there. But if you if you were to tug on Superman's cape, I suspect he would turn. Kal El would turn to you respectfully and say, "May I help you?" Yeah, because that's Superman's deal. Because he's that cool. He's not going to get revenge on you. Now I'm not going to tug on Batman's cape. No, you do not tug on Batman's cape. Oh wow, no. I wouldn't Uh -uh. even go there. Play in that game. Not if you want to keep all the teeth that are in your mouth when you woke up this morning. I mean, I want all Uh -uh. my fingers. You know what I'm saying? Like Batman's not going to cut off fingers. You don't know. I do know. I think I know a little bit about that. I mean, he might break your that. hand a little. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, no. He'll break your arm. He'll I mean, I don't bones. think he's going to cut my There'll fingers There'll be no off, avulsions. Saying, yeah, right, right. But I'm just saying I'd like yeah. to keep my fingers, like, intact, like the right. way that they are, working as good fingers. Right. You're never, never going to be able to p- play the piano again if yeah. you if you dress up as a clown in Gotham and start doing crimes. Well, it's I'll, not going to happen. I'll, I'll keep that in mind. Do, please do. I appreciate that. But, uh, you know, but so looping finally, I guess, back, I guess, I, I guess I've said enough on class. They mm-hmm. talk about, like, like Johnny says, I want to. I wish I, I want to live in a place without greasers or socias. Right. You know, and he's messed. He's a messed up kid. Oh, yeah. You know, and nervous but, wreck. But to go back, like, because the movie begins with this like soft '80s pop ballad sung by Stevie Wonder, and and it goes into like I as I mentioned in passing, the only song I can remember, and maybe there was another song from the '60s, but I don't. I know twice Gloria plays at mm-hmm. least is Gloria, which is a great song. You know, don't get me wrong. It's a great don't, classic. Don't don't mistake that as the Gloria from the, no, not 80s. the 80s. Not, not the Laura Branigan Gloria. Not the Laura Branigan Gloria. No, no. I just the, wanted you know, to the, like the G-L-O-R-I-A, right. that, I just you know, wanted the to let one. the rest of the world know in case the re- they I think most you. of the world thinks of uh, when I say Gloria by them. Mm-hmm. First of all, they know most most of the world knows if it's set in the 60s and the song's Gloria. It's probably going to be you know the most covered garage rock song of all yeah, time. I mean, you probably would think, but I you'd think that with the possible exception of Louie Louie, but. You know, but other than that, it's like there is almost no popular music in this. And I guess I came into this assuming my brain is thinking back to like, and I've never seen American Graffiti either, but like American Graffiti or, you know, like any of these other like it's it's mainly 80s about the 60s. Man, boomers love to shove their musical legacy in our faces when we were when we were I kids. Have to say, though, I so, appreciated that. Oh, I, I guess I do appreciate it, except for these guys are. It's like the weirdest thing, and then oh, and and then in the in the honky tonk they play a David Allen Coe song, and I know for a fact in the mid '60s David Allen Coe was probably still in prison. Okay, so his so first let, album let came out in my, 1968. Let me just throw my, sound like country my theory out there as to why maybe there wasn't more music like that. This is my theory: mm-hmm. is that the I, and I don't I don't know that this is possible, but I think that this is maybe a theory. There's two two parts of this. One is maybe you know the idea of the story is. We look at today. We still are fighting over class. We're still fighting over race and this, that, and the other. Yeah. You're different. You're different. Whatever. That's this is an ongoing issue. And so, the more you shove it into a very particular time frame, you mm-hmm. you you separate. You take away the base of the story that can be you, you know brought into any era. Now, I think what was important though is that because it was written, there are things that are done that can't be just taken out. Well, as yeah, it's gotta, there, there's a there's You've got to put it somewhere. Yeah, I, I know. There, there's so, a certain piece of place. Right. I, I guess I guess I was surprised that there wasn't more, like more 
uh, what is it, diegetic? Mm-hmm. I you think know, so, music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, music. In, like, I'm not saying like the soundtrack itself needed yeah, to be no, playing '60s music over. I'm just saying I'm surprised there wasn't more music playing. You know, like out of AM radios in the car, or you know, like like with you know, like various places. I just that kind of threw me a little bit. You know, like I just and I, my my other theory as to why there's not a lot of that in there is because um, I know that you know. Uh, Mr. Coppola's uh, nephew, you know, changed his name to avoid charges of nepotism. You know, Nicholas Nick, Cage. Nicholas Cage. But you, you notice if you look at the music by in this movie, uh, the 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 musical score was written by a Carmine Coppola. Mm-hmm. That's the director's father. My theory is <laughs> that might have been part of the problem oh, as to yeah. why is because uh, you know, like we got a family member making the music, and I'm going to say this right now: it was a score that would have been. I mean, it's competent. I'm not going to... No, yeah. I, I am not a musical person. I'm not going to critique the music. It's weirdly inappropriate, though. Like, it's 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 one of the things that pulled me out of the movie. There's a couple things that pulled me out of this movie occasionally. Like, it's it's like if, like if I were the kind of letter-grade reviewer, I wouldn't be able to give this, like, a super high grade. I would probably say it's like a 7.5 out of 10. You know, it's a very good movie, but it, I, I get pulled out a lot. And part of it is the score is really bombastic and overblown and it really comes into I think it comes out of the fact that Coppola comes out of a B movie tradition. We kind of we kind of like think of him as, you know, like the Godfather, you know, an apocalypse now, things like that. But, you know, oh, shit. I'm sorry. I'm oh yeah, sorry. yeah. Like, oh, we'll sorry. we'll get into that too. <clears throat> sorry, it's a little fun. Yeah, like I have some interesting opinions about Coppola on the whole, but the thing is he came out of the AIP movie, you know, movie world. He was, you know, his first Which movie was Which there was a nod to that. Yeah, there was. There was some a couple of the Beach Blanket movies yeah. were in there. And his first directorial movie Dementia 13, which I almost said, you know, when I was listening that but we got sidetracked by other things when we were talking at the beginning, I almost li- like made a really dumb joke about, you know, noted director of Dementia 13, Francis <laughs> Ford Coppola. Because for a long time I used to say that was my favorite Coppola movie, which probably it is to be honest. But but you know he came out of a he came out of a very I know that's a heresy, but uh, he came out of a very big B movie thing, and you know he you you can see him like like playing paying some nods to that. And this movie, in a lot of ways, is directed in the style of like one of those fifties teenage confidential style like like it's 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 almost like a JD movie, but it's shown from the point of view, but with the with the JDs being you know sympathetic. Mm characters because it's it's very it's got it's like there's a lot of overblown bombast everyone is saying things like you know i mean most of the classic lines from this movie that people quote are kind of cheesy oh yeah you know like we'll do it for johnny yeah stay gold pony boy yeah. you know they're, they're very like and, and uh, like the, a lot of the shots are done in this like very ridiculous b-movie fashion you know like it's so funny because like i resented the hell out of the Coppola Dracula when I was in high school and I saw it. You know, and I haven't really seen it since. But because I had just been in a stage production of Dracula, like the first time I'd ever been on stage, and I had just read the novel Dracula like two years before that, and then like I hear this is going to be like an adaptation of Dracula that's really going to be closer to the novel than anything, and then it was just weird. If I had, if it had just been presented to me as Francis Ford Coppola makes a crazy, cheesy B-movie Dracula. Mm-hmm. I would have probably enjoyed it a thousand times more, but because it was presented as this, like, this is a legitimate adaptation. Yeah, yeah. You know, I res- I hated that movie for that reason. And I, th- but I, but I, but I'm just going into the point that, so like Coppola is in a lot of ways he's got this deep B movie DNA in him. Like when the there's one scene where C. Thomas Howell Pony Boy 
he dreams about their, his parents for a split second, you know? And that's the only time you really learn what happened to his parents. And, and it shows these, like, this weird, like, gauzy, hazy sort of, like, shot of this old couple and an older couple in a car. And then a shot of a train hitting the car in, like, completely different film stock. And it's just, like, it looks so ridiculous. And, and it's the moment is, when he is learns. dreaming at that moment. But I know he's dreaming, but it doesn't look like a dream so much as it looks like a B-movie construction of, of B-roll stock footage yeah, thrown yeah. in to show you know, like a, a part of a story. Like it, like it, there's something very B movie feeling about this. Yeah. Like there's, 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 there's outdoor shots that are clearly soundstage. Mm-hmm. Ironically, right after they're right after they're reading gone with the wind, you know, cause it looks like the, as God is my witness, I'll never go hungry again scene <laughs> in uh, you know, like it's so obviously a soundstage when he's talking about like, you, you look at the sunset and you see things or whatever that scene, but like, it's so absurdly B movie. Yeah. And there's and there's a scene at the end when we when we get to the talk about the end of the movie. Oh yeah. Which is the most B B B D B B B D B B thing ever. See, my opinion of this and and I am again, once probably totally off, but like one of the things about B movies that I always notice other than the the fact that it's obviously shot in like 5 seconds and like so it's not like you can go back for a second take, which is my joking like what I think of as B movies is like, oh, we probably could have gotten that if we had done another take on that, or right. you know, you see the boom pop in yeah, or whatever, you know. Right. So, so like my joke on that, but but one of the other things that's like very B movie esque are these close ups and extreme close ups. And if you notice in this movie, and I kind of made a comment about it earlier today when we were talking about it really briefly after the movie, but I honestly think that somebody came in with sort of a deft hand, and maybe it was oh yeah, no, no, no. Himself. let me let oh me god, finish. I'm sorry, yeah, I'll, I'll let me clarify. finish what I'm saying. Um, and and actually, I, I feel like maybe he did put some of those shots in. And someone came in and was like, I would pull some of those back. Right. And the reason I say that is because, if, for example, we were talking about the, the fact that some of these actors, they're, they're big names and they're in this movie, but you almost kind of like, you almost miss them. Well, I mean, they, we ta- they also weren't big names in this Let movie. Me, but it, right, you're right. I agree, but that's not my point. My point is they're big names as far as the characters are talking oh, about yeah. in the movie. So, and I'm going to use the example of of Soda Pop Curtis, who is, happens to be Rob Lowe. Yes, he was a nobody at the time, but that's not even the point. The point is Rob you, Lowe was never a nobody. He just wasn't they ta- famous. <laughs> they talk about him a lot in this movie. He gets yeah. brought up. His name is Hello, brought up. Soda Pop. He's co- he's commented on. He's brought up. He doesn't have a lot of screen time. Okay, fine, whatever. People can end up on the cutting room floor. That's not my point. This is one of the most beautiful men in Hollywood, especially at this point. Young as he was and as gorgeous as he was, we probably get one close-up of him. And I mean, like, and it's not even, it's like a, it's like a, a tits-up shot. Like, we barely get. He does have nice tits. Yeah. I mean, we're not even really getting, like, any sort of real, and if you notice, there's few of them. They're, they're few and far between, which is why I think it stayed out of the B-movie, like, Full on realm. Oh well, I'm not saying I'm not saying no, no, no. it's it's a B movie, and I'm not. I saying know it's, you're not it, saying that. And what I'm, I'm saying is, I feel like if you've been a B movie director for a long time, and that's what you fall you're you're you fall into, he's he either somebody either gave him advice to like not do that, so he swung the other direction because his, there are close ups. I mean, you see close ups of Johnny, you see close ups right. of of Pony. You do see those moments, but they're always offset. They're almost never straight on. No, no, it's you it's know, really it's, well, it's beautifully it's well shot. shot. When I, when, but my point. Is that I think in I'm not finished. Don't don't. They really can't rise see me rolling eyes. I know, honey. but it bothers me. It's not nice, honey. I I have I have been holding my tongue while while you say all these crazy wrong things. I'm just kidding. I, I just I was I, 
you know, you can roll your eyes when I talk too. I just don't. I just keep talking and don't interrupt the flow of the show. Yeah, it's just kind of rude. I don't that's know. terribly rude. Really but that's. Obnoxious. But I'm not being rude to them. Now you're being rude to them no, by taking them away from our beautiful. Rude to me. Oh, wait, so anyway, so um, I'm storm off and quit the podcast in the middle. Oh my god, wouldn't that be amazing if I just kept going? <laughs> like you quit the podcast, and I just kept going and like. Yeah, maybe uh, we'll do that for like the anniversary show. <laughs> On our anniversary, we our do a show, and then like our last show, and we're done, and I just walk off. I'm out of here. No, no. You just... <laughs> I'm, qui- I'm quietly calling the lawyer. I'm like, hi, what's up, Joel? <laughs> kind of chat. Um, anyway, point being, I think that either he saw it himself or somewhere down the line, that that became like, oh, we can't do that. That's too B-movie-esque. Because there isn't a lot of it, and if it's done, it's shot so differently well, than I what think you think. What I'm saying is it's it's not that... You know, it's it's he's got some sensibilities of the B movie is what I'm trying to say. Oh, yeah. Like he's you know, like the way a lot of these shots like yes, there's a lot of well composed shots. And here's the thing, I actually like while you were talking about that, like in the back of my head I just formulated a little bit of a theory about mm. Coppola. Because he started out at AIP and a lot of their like you know, a lot of those Corman like that those Corman movies, they, they, they would come up with a title first and then they're like, That's a great title. It looks really good. We've got X number, like three weeks, some small amount of money, hire a director, hire a writer, let's throw a movie <laughs> together, get it out, you know, make money. That, right. that, was, that was how it's done. So he was, he was working under a process of like, you, you cut corners, you churn, you, you, you blast it out. Right. And then he comes in, uh, like, then he does, you know, The Godfather makes him you know, like a mega successful director, you know, so he can kind of do kind of what he wants. For a while, and then he gets up into doing his Heart of Bar- Darkness remake, Apocalypse Now, and he spends forever on it. It goes super over budget, super over shooting schedule, and I'm wondering if it's just that he was so chafing under the early career restrictions of like you know having to learn how to just spew movies out like on time and under budget that like he's someone who now can spend forever and lavish on his movies. Mm. But I'm saying at some point his sensibilities, because it's true in Dracula, he, he likes certain like tropes and techniques and this goes back to the music Mm -hmm. because this music is very 50s b-movie sounding music Mm -hmm. you know it's very it's overblown it's like you never have the level of melodrama in your music nowadays like because it's it's so overblown and it's been it's been parodied so many times in like by you know you know comedic writers and directors that you couldn't get away with this now i think well, it's interesting too. Like, I, I almost sometimes wonder if I don't know if these are happy accidents, but the, remember when I made that comment that the that the you know incidental music sounded like a cartoon? Yeah, it does. It but, sounds like but, a cartoon. But if you and again, right before that, they're at the house and they're watching cartoons. Oh yeah, yeah, they are. And I thought that was a really interesting thing. I, I bet that was done on purpose. Oh yeah, I, I think. Well, I think I think there is sort of a feel of like a commentary like, on it. Well, they're like the, this movie. I really do feel like this movie is kind of a nod to those '50s exploitation juvenile delinquent movies. Mm-hmm. But it's but instead of being like this, just this moralizing tale of these poor, you know, this poor kid who fell in with a bad crowd, you know, read communists. <laughs> you know, like it's it's it, instead it, it's it's being a more nuanced touch of people trapped in a social construct. Right. You know, who like where they're they're considered juvenile delinquents because, you know, they've never been given a chance anyway. And yeah, they do. I mean they are they are juvenile delinquents, some of them. You know, not all of them. You know, Ponyboy's not really a violent, criminally kind of guy. No. You know? But, you know, Dally is. Dallas is definitely, you know, he's definitely someone, he's been to jail. He's a hard guy, you know, 
you you get the feeling you get the feeling that uh, he's that, not that hard though. Well, he's no, he's sensitive, but he's got a hardness to him. He's he's defending himself. It comes out later in the movie. Yeah. He talks about you know like you can't you know if you show weakness you know like he believes if you show weakness you're going to get taken advantage of. Right. You know, and that's I mean that's that's the sympathetic portrayal of them as people who they're not bad people, but they are technically juvenile delinquents because they're juveniles and they they're some of them, they're committing crimes. You know, <laughs> like so by the very definition they are juvenile delinquents. Yeah. You know, but. You know, like again, the fifties it would it would it would turn it into like, you know, like there's these bad eggs that are luring, you know, innocent good people to the wrong side of the tracks. But this is done more along the lines of, you know, we're on the wrong side of the tracks and this is our only choice. But it and, and instead the conflict is it's a it's a social order conflict. It's not a it's not the tra- traditional fifties teen movie conflict of like, you know, you know, you know, juvenile delinquency and drugs. And, but we you know, also really love the idea that they got the that that they're considered juvenile delinquents, but they're also heroes. Like the idea that like, and that's what's so shocking about it is when they they dive in and save those kids. And like, they do a really nice job in the books or in, and in the movie and whatever setting up that Dallas is a hard guy. He's somebody who wouldn't right. you know yeah, give he's, a shit. He's, he's, and he and he, he he still even as he's doing it, he's like this is stupid. Yeah. And he and like after it's over, it's like we shouldn't have done that. But he still goes in. He still goes in and he helps them. He still Although goes he mainly in. goes in, I think, to get Johnny. Yeah, but even so, but he still, still goes in. He yeah. still helps the kids. He still, he still helps saves, the kids. He still saves like ten kids. Yeah, he still yeah he gets burnt. Yeah, like and that's you know that 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 by the way that scene, uh, very much because uh, Coppola you know like you know you heard the story the legends of like on the on the uh, apocalypse now shooting how like went crazy like he was just like so like obsessed with getting everything perfect. Yeah. Apparently during the I I learned today during the the the, the scene where the schoolhouse thing is burning. You know, and I, I still think they use the same set as that abandoned church for the schoolhouse. You were right. We had this whole discussion when we were watching it where I was like, wait, why are there all these kids inside the church they were hiding out in? I swear to God, it looks externally like it's the same shaped building. Like they found that abandoned church and just burned it down Probably. after they shot their scenes. Yeah. I think I think that's an entire possibility. Right. But, but it wasn't supposed to it be. It wasn't supposed to be. No, it's not. It's obviously not. Like, yeah, it was supposed to be a school. But like when they were filming that, apparently Coppola like did not was not satisfied with the amount of fire. And he like was like make it bigger, make it bigger, make it bigger, you know. And thankfully, we didn't have a Vic Morrow cir- circumstance with this particular movie because, uh, it, but it went out of control for a while. Oh wow! And they got lucky. There was a there was a sudden downpour. Oh but, wow! But yeah, it, like but like apparently that that fire kind of went crazy out of control because he wanted it to be bigger and more more fire. And if you look, that's a big damn it is fire. A big fire. I mean, it's a fireball. In all honesty, like when I first saw it, and like and you know. And Johnny like runs to go save those kids. In all honesty, my first thought was, "What Actually, is he?" Pony was, boy, pony boy runs first. Oh, whoever, whatever. One of the little guys runs. <laughs> one of the two little guys goes and runs to save these kids. And my my first thought was, "What are you doing? They've got to be dead. That's a fireball. Yeah, like that's backdraft. You know, that's. I mean, it it looks like it is gone. Like you know, like it's it's a it's a great scene in a movie that like looks dated now because our effects are so much better. Right. But like, yeah, at the time that would have been that, that. I'm sure in the theater, if I was a kid seeing that, that would have been intense, you know. Like, you know, and you've got like the the falling. It it, it almost. What's funny is uh, it was one of the most tragic things, and it led to you know the high tragedy of the of the movie really. But when that rafter falls on Johnny. <laughs> I kind of laughed out loud. Well, because that's it, not the thing that brings him down. It's just it's the first he knocks him down. But he but it, he he broke his back. And right. I think But that was a big, thick, burning rafter. Yeah. I think I I'm led to believe because I don't think he gets up after that, does he? 
I don't know how they get him out of there. Like that, the raptor falls and hit him. Then, then they're like, then they kind of fades out, out right after. I think that was his big injury because remember he's he's he can't feel his legs. He's broken his back. Right, but they also say that. I mean, but we don't see him get come out of there. No, I know. Screaming, and then we see the the roof. Well, yeah, come but down. no, but a raptor falls on him. No, and, like, I know. I, I know, but that. the raptor is seriously like it's like an eight inch by yeah, eight huge. inch wooden yes. block. If yes. that fell on you, that would break things. Yeah, I mean that would probably kill you. Yeah. So I think, but the thing is, that was the thing that probably gave him his injury that he you know like, that like led to his. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, eventually led to his death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, spoiler, uh, spoiler. Don't listen to this podcast if you haven't seen it, because then you'll know that Johnny dies in the end. Um, sorry about that. I probably should have put a tag on it, but um, you will put a tag on it. No, I won't. I've never remembered to do that. Uh, anyone who's listening this far into the podcast has probably already accepted that. Listen, these movies are like thirty something years old. <laughs> you know, I, if you haven't seen it yet, it's on you. I mean, I I didn't get it spoiled somehow, but I, if I if I had been, you know, oh well. But yeah, like. But, like, that moment, which would have been led to his death, was fucking hilarious to me. I'm wow. sorry. I laughed out loud when that fell because it was – it's, like, pratfally. And because the music is too big. Yeah. It's like I think Mel Brooks ruined this. Mel Brooks ruin, ruined really good – like, not really good, but really serious music. Because, mm. like, he – like he started using very serious music cues in a lot of his movies. Yeah, you know, for the comedy. You know, and I, I feel like I, you know, like one of his quotes is, you know, you, you know, you don't underscore a comedic scene with a kazoo. You want to use a full orchestra because it's, you know, like it, it makes it funnier to cross cut that music. And I think I, I blame him because now I hear that big, big, powerful, swelling, emotional music, and I'm like, <laughs> look yeah. at this goofy crap. You know, it's funny too because I, I've seen this movie a number of times and I really love it. It has that a number, lot of what seven, probably maybe more. Right. I really like it. I mean, I haven't seen it from like beginning to end, but I've seen like enough of the movie, whatever. So I knew what was coming. However, I have yet to see this movie until just now as a mother. And oh yeah, oh my goodness. Let me just tell you, I don't care who you are, whatever. You see this, you see a, a burning school knowing this was coming knowing exactly what happens in this movie just you know another spoiler none of the kids die they save all the children but the point is i I started i mean like i started having a major like almost panic attack because i know what happens in this and i and you're watching and i'm like i'm crying because it's like as a mother you're watching these little kids and it's and 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 then you start thinking about the fact that pony boy and 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 uh johnny and even dally are running into this thing and they're children i mean their kids are 14 16 years old well dally's a little older but do you know my like ridiculous and i don't know it was just like i I don't know as a mom that just really caught me by surprise how much that really affected right and and you know i i would say like another thing like when like the fact, and I don't actually have this personal experience, but seeing Patrick Swayze trying to raise his brothers and not get them taken, you know, and like making mistakes. Yes. You know, like that. Like, I feel like as a kid, I would have sided with C. Thomas Howell and been like, oh my God, when he like hit, kind of hit, pushed him across yes. the room and he ran off at him and like, screw that guy. Yeah. That, you know, that, like, yeah. I would have been like, F that, you know. But like, now as an adult, thinking about like, like, Picturing myself at like and Swayze's, I, I don't know how old his character is supposed to be. I'm guessing, 20s. probably like early twenties. You know, you know, like thinking of myself in my early twenties. Now, admittedly, my brother was six years younger than me. He would have probably been, he would have probably been like soda pop's age. You know, like old enough to be dropped out of high school, but not too old to like where he couldn't have been in high school still. Right. You know, 
But like, if I had been about my early twenties, having to take care of, uh, you know, having to take care of my brother, just my brother, not another, like two kids by myself. Like, I can't even imagine the pressure. I would have beaten the crap out of him tons of times because he would have driven me crazy. I mean, heck, I did it anyway. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, like just that's, for the fun of it, right? Because I'm a brother. It's my job. You know? No, but I got, yeah, I know what you're saying. Like, I've I, never lost a fight to you, Jared. You may be bigger and stronger than me now, but remember that. What's kind of amazing, though, is that <laughs> I do love that the minute that he, like, he's so angry at him for being late and they didn't know where he was and they can't call the cops because they'll be sent to a boy's home. So he's just, he's just, he's like, doesn't know what to do with himself. And then, and, and Ponyboy walks in and he just fell asleep. It was just, he yeah, was and, like, and, really and, and, it's the truth, but it's such a lame excuse. Yes. Like, and that's another thing is I feel like, you know, like as a kid, I'd have been like, look, he had an excuse. But as an adult, I'm like, that excuse sucks. And I was worried. Yeah. yeah. You know? And I, so I understand where, where, where Swayze's character, Daryl's coming from, because I feel like, oh my gosh, he's, he's so worried and so upset and he, he loves you so much and he wants nothing bad to happen to you. And they lost their parents in some tragic accident. You know, there's like all of this pressure and this stuff on him. I just, I totally saw it. And the minute that he, Throws him across the room. He doesn't even really hit him. He just yeah, sort of, like, I know. They say him. hits in the movie. That's he why I said knocks hit him. Throw, him but... He kind of knocks him across the room because um, he's he's yeah, it looks like he gives him kind of like a stiff arm yeah. push. But he as soon you as know? he but he trips and falls. Yeah. And as soon as that happens, the first words out of Daryl's mouth are, uh, "Pony boy, I, I didn't mean it." You know, yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah, he's obviously it. not he's immediately. Yeah, he's not uh, like, repenting. Yeah, for what like he did. It, it's like it's obviously and and of course as it comes back, you know, when it, when he comes back, you know, and it's like you know instantly all is forgiven and he's not, you know, he doesn't give him crap about like right like, any of this. You know, it's obviously this is a very loving sort of functional family unit. I mean, that is as best as it's going to be in the situation. It's the best as it's going to be in the situation. And I think that's, I mean, I, I think that's, I, I that's just, I, that was the other thing as an adult looking back. That's, that's like got me. It's just like, yeah. like, I don't know why, because I've never been in that circumstance, but stories where an older sibling is taking care of like their kid brother because they don't have parents for some reason always gets me. Yeah. Like Lilo and Stitch. Yeah. That circumstance gets me. me like too. it just like there's something about that that I don't know on some deep fundamental level like makes me just kind of freaked out. Well, I mean, it makes sense. You know, but it's yeah, I guess in some ways. In, I guess given your circumstances. I, I guess, yeah, I did I did kind of like help raise my brother quite yeah. a bit when I was younger. But like, you know, it's just I think anything that – whether it's the parents or not in the picture or you have dysfunctional parents, it's the same idea. Yeah. Like there's a part of you that's still protecting right, your yeah. sibling, and I think that's probably what speaks to you. Um, welcome to Therapy 101 yeah, with the Dickerson. Really, Sorry should, about that. We should – let's get back to fighting over nothing <laughs> because right now, like, I, I feel like we're really betraying I, our I, brand by I, being heartfelt. I know. We really, um, I, I, have a, I, have, I have a way to get us there. Um, one of the things that bothers me the most about um, – and I love this movie – but one of the things that bothers me the most is that people will constantly compare this book, this movie, to two other, like, social delinquent, blah, 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 blah types of, you know, bo- stories. One of them being a separate piece. Okay. Fine. Whatever. Uh, I kind of, yeah. All right. And the other one being Catcher in the Rye. Okay. So uh, we have moved into uh, a feature that will probably not be regular or ever again, uh, entitled Allie Hates on Catcher in the Rye for upwards of nine hours, or as I call it, every other Tuesday. Uh, Allie has a deep, deep and abiding hatred of Catcher in the Rye. I really hate this book. Like, And it's funny because I've never been a big fan of it, but she hates it so much, I, I, I often get put in the position of saying, you're right, it's terrible, but it's not that bad because this and that. I've... I have read this book at different points in my life to see if maybe I'm missing something. 
let's see what I'm missing. I'm not missing anything. <laughs> this book is the worst piece of trash written that's been touted as the most brilliant piece of literature. Fuck you. Look, look, the only people who've touted as the most brilliant piece of literature are like people who shoot celebrities. I don't know who, who are you fighting with? Who are you, what windmill are you tilting with? Let me just tell you, you post, do one post on Twitter, one post about the Catcher in the Rye in some positive way. You're, and and hashtag it, you're going to get like, I love that book. It was like, it like spoke Well, yeah, if I use a hashtag like a common thug. Okay, fine, don't even use a hashtag. (laughs) I don't know what common thug means. That sounds racist. That book like described my childhood. It's so obnoxious. I hate that Well, you need to stop going on to Muppet Twitter and talking to Janice. (laughs) Maybe if you go to like a Twitter, I I will say this right now. I have on three separate occasions on Twitter had Catcher in the Rye come up, and the only discussion has been about everyone saying they hate it. I don't think that's because you're you're with normal humans who understand. But if I, I'm telling you, the so the people, normal people are in the minority, is what you're saying. Yes, and the freaks, yes, who okay, are in the majority. Sorry to all of you who love this book and think no, it's you're the best not. Thing. You're not sorry at all. Okay. You know what? All y'all are dumb, and I hate you. No, I, I honestly just listen to the podcast for me, not her. From oh now on. Oh my gosh, I, I can't. Not that I really like. But my, Ryan, okay, but. okay. So here's my thing, though. This movie so far surpasses little. I want to punch him in the face, Holden Caulfield. Like I want to take him and. Well, Holden rip Caulfield him. is a whiny little shit. He's a whiny nope. little look. shit. Okay, look. Entitled piece of crap. Look, okay, I okay, would but... rather hang out with the Soshas. In, in The Outsiders than ever go anywhere near Holden Caulfield. Well, because Holden Caulfield is a horrible little turd of a man. He has no friends for a reason. He makes no change. He learns nothing. Nothing yes. happened. It's the most entitled piece of shit. You know, you know what's funny? You know what I remember about that, that, that book? I remember him talking about getting some gray hairs. That's it. Like, I know... I, that, that, like, I mean, I remember other things, but that, for some reason, that's how little that book stands out in my mind. I remember the word phony... And gray hairs, and of course a bit about bodies catching body and coming through the rye, you know, where you know, whatever. You're looking at me like I'm crazy. I'm letting I'm letting you like spew vitriol, like with no real point about something that's not even in the movie <laughs> or mentioned in the movie, and then you look at me weird for say for what I remember from this thing. I, I, I do have a loosely, other than the fact that yes, I have heard people be like, oh yeah, it's like Catcher in the Rat. I'm like, no, it is nothing. It's nothing. I don't. I, I don't. Not that the stories are similar. The idea of the 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 bad kid, the kid who, on the like, run, kid right. on the run, the kid who's well, like. The difference is the difference is in this movie they're running away because one of them committed a murder and the other one is considered an accessory. Agreed. And Holden Caulfield's on the run because, eh, I can't remember why. Oh like he's going to get kicked out of school for being just, a loser or something. Just tell him to shut up. Oh, no, he's just, it's just, Just oh. stuff him in a locker and I, take no, his I, I, look, I agree with your general thrust of it. I just find the level of vitriol you have for this, you know, so, like, amazing considering, look, if written. we want to, look, if we want to have vitriol about a book or a movie I knew we would be that is connected to this movie, at mm-hmm. least. It would be goddamn Gone, Gone with the Wind. wind. I know. Oh, my God. All right. I grew up in I'm South gonna Carolina. I'm going to sit back, by the way, while this goes No, on. I'm not. This isn't going to be long. I'm going to be very mm-hmm. concise about this. Gone with the Wind is the worst thing to happen to Southern culture in history. I mean, not... All right, fine. Slavery. But, you know, but the worst <laughs> thing... a other bad things that have happened. No, but it's the worst setback to the South, you know. And I think, it, I think in its own way, it causes racial unrest. You know, it causes racism in the South. Does among, it? Yeah, I do. Because I feel like if Gone with the Wind had not gotten, like, an entire generation or three generations of Southerners to get this 
dumbass antebellum mindset in their heads. You know, I like I've talked like I grew again. I grew up in Charleston, like the home of uh, you know Rhett Butler. You know, and by the way, Rhett is a last name. Rhett is a last name, not a first name. And any decent Charlestonian will tell you that. Um, you know, no one was named Rhett with the first name until that book came out. Uh, no one in history. And uh, but it is it, it glorifies the slave owning pre-war South as this lost golden age. And there are so many a Southerners looking back to this nostalgia for an age that never existed, mm-hmm. to paraphrase Jello Biafra, my first of the podcast, which is strange. Um, but it also, there are generations of Southern girls who grow up with the most skewed, screwed up idea of romance because they get their ideas of relationships from Scarlett O'Hara and Rhett Butler. Oh, that's sort of like what's going to happen to the young girls of this age who are going to grow up thinking that Fifty Shades of Grey is the kind of relationship no you're gonna, supposed no to have. No one grows up thinking that. <laughs> Come on, give the kids give the kids some credit. It's their it's people our age who are stupid about about oh BDSM. <laughs> it's not it's not the kids. They know the kids know what's they they got brains. Ah, kids probably. today kids today are way smarter than we were. Well, they do have the internet that they can look up. Yeah, we didn't have the internet. We just we just had to fumble along and it's you know. True. We had to find our porn in the woods. Come on. <laughs> So, uh, all right, so let's go back to, um, let's talk a little bit about the one major female in this in this entire thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'll talk about Diane well, Lane. Little, How long do you want to talk about her? Cherry Valance. Hey, man, you, you, got a shower, you got a shower scene with Rob Lowe, which okay. is, by the way, I want to say that is, that is uh, for women is... women and, and gay men, I feel like that is your Phoebe Kate stepping out of the pool yeah, in Fast let me, Times. Let me tell you something. They, they I mean, I don't know. I shouldn't even have mentioned Rob Lowe because now we're never going to get to Diane Lane. They perfectly had him place the towel around him just at the, like, top part, just under the... the like. Allie, turn that off. We're on a podcast. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a nice moment. I'll just put it that way. Rob, well done. Anyway, so back to Diane His Lane. body is a microchip. It's... <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, Di- I would say the funniest thing about Diane—I mean, Diane Lane does a fine job. In She's this. just fine. Uh, you know, it's—it's it's not. I'm not. It's in all honesty, Diane Lane. Like seeing her, it's my brain is so skewed because for the last like you know like for the last like decade or so, Diane Lane has made her low level comeback where everyone's like, "Holy God, Diane Lane is amazing looking still." How is? It? And it was just weird to see her young because it's been so long since I've seen a movie in with her in it that was like made before like. 2000 mm-hmm. you know it was just so weird to see young hot diane lane as opposed to older hot diane lane because it's like oh she looks exactly the same except there's like three less wrinkles <laughs> you know it's almost, it was just it was off-putting the entire movie because in my head i think diane lane is 60 or something or like i don't even know is she 60 probably now? but like like i think diane lane think of diane lane as someone at least in her 50s and i'm watching her and like she's she can't be in high school like i was like now admittedly she was probably in her 20s when this movie was made or older but like but like the fact is, I just I could not believe she was in high school because Diane Lane is it, it'd be like kind of like seeing Helen Mirren mm-hmm. in high school. Yeah. It's like I'm sure she was in high school once, and right. I'm sure she played young women once. You know, like but even going back and seeing Excalibur, where she had to have been at least in her 30s. You know, like I still am like, oh, it's so she looks great for someone who's 60 because she's <laughs> yeah. she's gonna be in her 60s forever to me. Forever, you know, yeah. like they're all Betty you know, like, White's the same way to me. Well, yeah. That's because Betty White has been elderly since we were children. Yeah, I know. That's my point. You know. Okay, so so, but my point about bringing her up is te- is less Diane Lane and more her character. Um, oh, I just want to talk about the fact that Diane Lane I, is uh, made I a know. pact with Satan. But she, <laughs> she's, you know, 
Dallas come, you know, sees the, her and starts hitting on her, and she's, you know, and he's being really aggressive. I will, I will say, like, I, I, I'm, I'm, he was a real turnoff for most people. But man, I mean, and he tries every trick in the book. She's not interested, not interested. Maybe she doesn't like eyebrows. But then at the end, she says, you know, to Pony Boy, she's like, and I hope I never see that Dallas Winston again because if I did, I'd probably kiss him or something. Fall in love with him. Fall or in love with him or something. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, I think that given that this book, oops, sorry. You can move that out of the way, and then you well, have I was a trying to get closer. I was actually trying to get closer to the mic, not you, you, which you can, you which is that's farther it, away. That's well, farther away from the mic. Okay, you get you guys didn't see it, but I was right. Trust me, it's just like that slap thing, um, which we never looked back to see. By the way, we never. Did, I think we're gonna fight about this forever and never rewatch that movie. Um, but um, what I was, I was right. Yeah. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I'll, I'll, doesn't matter. I was right. Uh, but uh, see, I lost my train of thought because I you know. had to be wrong about mm-hmm. fights. But um, and you had to talk about me moving my chair in an audio medium. Here's the thing: all the things that we're doing, they don't have to know. Like you didn't actually turn a vibrator on. That was just me going. Was you know, it? but they yeah. And oh. like listen, if you listen really carefully, you, you know, you know who That's is not. Good. Radon Chong is not in the room, but. <laughs> but you thought Radon Chong was here for a second, didn't you? Didn't you, folks? Uh, but uh, going back, going back. Essie Hinton was it? I finally remembered what I was talking about. I had to. I, had, I was vamping until I could remember. Essie Hinton was a teenager when she wrote this character, and I think it 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 is a fairly accurate assessment of the way teenage crushes go. You know, you know, you 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 like someone. By the way, Allie's incapacitated with laughter. This is awesome. I I you see, I've been trying. I've been doing this wrong the whole time. I have been trying to like get her to be quiet by bullying her, <laughs> talking over her, cajoling her, arguing with her, you know, explaining to her. What I should have just done is just every time she does this, it just goes, and then I can talk about whatever I want to talk about. Of course, it's also distracting me to the point where I don't remember what I was going to talk about, but I'm sure it was very clever. I guess while she's laughing, I'm going to go back and uh, read some of my notes. I only took, like, (laughs) notes for the first five minutes of the movie before I actually got kind of sucked in and kind of forgot. But um, The Outsiders. Let me see. I wrote, inappropriate theme song. Sounds like something from a montage from The Fox and the Hound. Stevie Wonder using up his 70s goodwill, as was his 80s want. (laughs) And then I wrote... Because there, like within the within two minutes of the movie beginning, there is a fist fight, and I said already more violent than over the top, <laughs> and the cops actually broke it up, which uh, over the top did not have on either count. Yeah, but anyway, it looks like Allie's gotten her composure back. I did, and now I guess uh, I have no idea what we're talking about now because we do we're we're breaking from our usual format of just synopsizing the movie and making fun of as we go, and then arguing about whether or not something happened before another thing happened. <laughs> so I'm not really. Our podcast takes up with that. You think we'd have like maybe a thirty-minute <laughs> podcast if you took the bickering out? Maybe. Um, Man, my point, because let me go back to my point of bringing up Sher- uh, Cherry Va- Cherry Valance. Her name is Sherry, but they call her Cherry because of her hair, yeah. as she points out. But it's a porn star name, by the way. It really is. But a lot of these are porn star names. Um, <laughs> really? Would you watch porn with a guy named Soda Pop? Now, not knowing he looks like Roblo. No, but it's all right. I would watch porn with a guy named Two Bit. Anyway, so um, I can't even. <laughs> So, it, but my point is that when she says that thing about about uh, Dallas's character, is it, I, I wrote down spoken like a tr- what did I say? Spoken like a true good girl who wants to be bad. And what's interesting is that later on she's given oh, yeah, like, she's like she's the archetype. She's, yeah, she's given so many opportunities to like 
to break the mold of being social, the, the socias. And I, I actually like that she does it. I do too. I, That's what I was going to say. I think, is that I think no, it one, makes... no one in this movie crosses the barrier right. ever. Right. They they talk about it they a little bit. They talk about it. Like they all say, like, and what's funny is for the most part, the socias seem to be the ones that talk the most about like wanting to be able to get out of that. Yes. You know, Ran- Randy talks about it to, to Ponyboy in the car at one point. You know, Jerry talks about Jerry it. Jerry talks about it. The only one who talks about it, uh, who talks about it, other than that, is Johnny. And Johnny wants no part of either. He doesn't right. want to be a greaser either. Right. You know, he just wants to get away. Right. You know, that's and that's true. and 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 again, Johnny has been severely beaten and abused. Ugh. You know, he's he's in a loveless family apparently. In fact, his family's never actually shown. But we know in the first, like at the beginning of the like. That the first night the inciting incident happens mainly because he was sleeping outside on a car seat that was uh, like a car bench seat that was left yeah. outside like in one of their yards because he didn't want to go lot, home in like the in, empty a, lot. in an empty lot he's sleeping in an empty lot on a like on, on a on a torn out car seat under a pile of newspapers yeah. because he doesn't want to go home yeah. and in the end of the movie when he's in the hospital his mother comes to see him and he actually yells that he doesn't want to see her and to tell her not to come in and he like passes out and then it's he passes so out sad you know like so it's like his life sucks so I can see him wanting to escape. Yeah. You know, and, you know, he's kind of the Sal Minio of this movie, isn't he? Mm-hmm. He really is. Like, he's very much a Sal Minio. You know, he's a little, you know, not very tough looking guy. You know, he's clearly overly sensitive. Yeah. You know, he's he's definitely playing the Sal Minio role. Yeah. You know, and, you know, he's, he's... His story is so tragic. Right. And I always thought it was interesting, like, that he was cast opposite C. Thomas Howell because Ralph Macchio... Still has a baby face now. Oh, He's like 50. Yeah. And yeah. He has a baby face. He'll always have a baby face. You know, whereas C. Thomas Howell looked like he was 40 the day he was born. <laughs> like, he has a middle-aged man's face. Yeah. Like, you look, he's just got these eye bags and, like, it's like, there's just something about his face. It looks weathered and old and crappy. And even it looks when he's even young. worse when, when, I think it looks even more so when they they use the peroxide on his hair and blonde him Yeah, because it makes him... It makes him, like... Well, it makes his face stand out and look yeah. even harsher because yeah. he's got, you know, his regular eyebrows are there and, you know, it's like, yeah, if I had blonde hair, and I have had blonde hair in the past. I will I say definitely... that was one of my favorite lines that was said in the movie um, when they have to they have to cut their hair, wash the grease out, and then um, they bleach his uh, pony bear, boy's hair blonde and he, he says, you know, you know, I know it's just hair and whatever, but it's like being in a Halloween costume, you can't get out of it. And I just thought that it's like a really uh, great a, way a, of putting it. That's a great it. way of putting it. Like, yeah. I feel like that's like that's a great way of putting like anyone who's living a life that isn't, the, isn't that is true theirs, to themselves. Yeah, exactly. You know? I thought that was really a So I, I, I thought that, uh, that is actually one of the better lines. Like yeah. a lot of the lines in this movie are kind of a little thudding. They are a little. It's a little heavy, you know, a little heavy handed, but. Again, I uh, to go back. I really like this movie. Yes, it's a very moving movie. You just gotta gotta like you gotta kind of take the the grain of salt of melodrama and and like and self importance there. Right. Um. Yeah. So, I guess you know one thing that I did not talk about in the church scene. I guess that I just want to mention in passing because it was the most horrible borderline mystery science theater esque thing I think I've ever said. And I remember Allie d- gave one of those laughs like she was ashamed. <laughs> yeah. But during, when the church was burning down and see Thomas Howell is covered in soot, I'm like, hey, he's preparing for Soul Man. So bad. <laughs> His classic blackface comedy. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, well done there. Oh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not proud of it, but I did bring it up because I am proud of it. <laughs> Man, that movie... That is a I want that was the downfall of his career, wasn't it? Hey, speaking of the Rumble, pal. <laughs> let's talk about the Rumble. Okay? <laughs> Cuz I, you know what? That I I love this whole one of the, my favorite parts about this movie is it comes from a culture that is so non-existent nowadays. 
you know, and by the way, speaking of the Rumble Pal is my favorite line of dialogue in this movie because it comes out of, it, it not out of nowhere, but it's barely there. Yeah. It's just Emilio Estevez says that in fact. Oh, no, some guy says, some it, guy to says it to Emilio Estevez. Emilio Estevez just before, like, just before uh, Pony Boy and, and, and Randy, Randy have, go, like, have their heartfelt discussion in the car. Like, it's just, they're, they're talking like, because it's like, hey. No jazz no, before, no the, before the Rumble. You know, like, they, they talk trash, but they've got a planned Rumble. And I love the concept of the planned rumble. Yeah, me too. It's I've a social always, construct. I love I've, it. I've always loved, you know, my fa- my favorite Stray Cat song is Rumble in Brighton. I love the idea of a rumble. I I, I always have. You know, I, I love that they spend so much in this movie preparing for the rumble. Because the rumble feels like regionals. Mm-hmm. It's like, we're getting ready for regionals. It's They're getting ready for the rumble. Yeah. You know, like, and they're, you know, are they ready to rumble? They are ready to rumble. Like, <laughs> it is, like, and they, like, it's like, and. Ponyboy's feeling really, sick, really and it's bad. like, are you going to be too sick for the rumble? And you know, you know, and Dal- Dallas is in, you know, in the hospital. He's like, man, I don't want to miss this rumble. <laughs> you know, I mean, the rumble's like the social event of this. If this is a Jane Austen novel, then the rumble is like the cotillion, the big ball where they inter- where they get introduced to society. You know, yeah. I like it, it's. Don't look at me like that. You know, like so. <laughs> Let's be true. Like it, it is like it, it's the social event of the season yeah, for everyone, is. and and barriers get torn down because uh, what's his name that was uh that was fighting with uh that was fighting with uh with Dallas at the beginning. Uh, Derry, you mean? Dare? No, not no, no, no. The oh yeah, yeah the, the guy who was mad because uh Dallas yeah the guy who looked tired yeah the guy who looked kind of like a young Lewis Black yeah uh, a little bit um, yes. yeah yeah because yeah like they were feuding but then when the socias turn on the greasers they all gang up together right. and it's just like there's just they're 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 preparing for the like in the they're all getting dressed and they're like talking about the rumble tonight and and now admittedly he's not their father he's their older brother but like the re, like but Derry the really responsible guy you know who's been told if he if you know if it weren't for us he'd be a soch you know. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's like getting ready for the rumble. You know, yeah, <laughs> and he's right. just like, and, yeah, and he, I love that he's like, they're like, they're they're touching Pony Boy's forehead and being like, "Are you going to be well enough for the rumble? Because I don't want you going to the rumble if you're sick." Yeah. And he's like, "Look, we already established no guns, no knives. You know, it's going to be fine. <laughs> you know, there's no weapons, no ch- no, no chains, no knives. No, they, chains. no one brought guns yeah. to a rumble back then. It was a, it was a more innocent time when people just beat the crap out of each right. other. You know, and honestly, I have to say. This movie, if it had just ended at the end of the Rumble, it would have been the feel-good movie of the year. Yeah, it probably would have. It really would have, because the only the only thing that happened is Leif Garrett got stabbed. Like other than that, Leif yeah. Garrett gets stabbed, but everything else is great. You know, yeah, there's some injuries, and maybe Pony Boy, maybe maybe Johnny still dies, but you know, he died a hero and whatever. You know, but this Rumble happens, and like, first of all, it is. I I had so much fun watching them prepping for the Rumble. Like, if I had ever. If I had ever actually, like, seen this movie when I was younger, like, I think I would be talking about every social event like it was a rumble. Well, okay. <laughs> you know, and like, so when, I, try, when I, I was young, be combing my hair into a yeah, bobbin or going, like, you ready for the rumble tonight? <laughs> so, here's, so, here's my, so here's my take on that. Like, what I love is, like, it's almost like they've all been hopped up on, like, you know, meth or, you know, cocaine. Because especially uh, Tom Cruise's character, he comes out screaming and doesn't stop. Uh, you know the what? entire Oh, my thing. God. I just realized something. The best acting of Tom Cruise's career has been from the moment they yelled cut on the last day of the Outsiders until that Oprah couch. He played an unbroken string of not being a screaming lunatic. Yeah. But I'm telling you, that that's who he is. Yeah. That was just Tom. That was why he was that. Because like, after that, he's all. He was holding back. He was holding back. But in this, it's just. <laughs> I mean, he screams for the entire. I mean, he's it's great. hysterical. It's hilarious. It's perfect. Mo- but OK, so so that's that. But what I was noticing is know how like they had this, the, the shot of them like 
going down the street and they're talking about the rumble and Derry's like, all right, Soda Pop, you you and Pony Boy, you got to beat it out of there if you know if this turn if the cops come because I don't want them taking you or boys home and it's like, yeah, we'll be fine. It's like, no, 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 you listen to me, you beat it out of there and we're having yeah. this conversation, but it's like, let's pretend that we took all the dialogue out of it and all we were seeing was the shot of them coming down the street with the moon behind them and the light and the whatever. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm going to, uh-uh, I have I'm to say what it, it is. The, to me, what that is, because this is taking place at night and this, this this shot that I'm about to talk about actually takes place during the day. They're the reservoir pups. Oh, really? You shut me up for that? Yes, I did. <laughs> but it is. I was gonna, I was actually going to say before, like what I was about to say, then I let you finish the thought. Was I was going, yeah, it's like out of reservoir dogs. So I, we're on the same page about yeah, that. It was totally. definitely. It was definitely. I, I, I just the way it's shot and the way they move. Imagine that come. Tarantino doing a scene that reminds us of another movie. Yeah, no, I have never heard of such. But um, I like Tarantino, by the way. But yeah, let me honest. Even let me honest. You know, but yeah, it's but like the Rumble. The thing I love. Oh, and the oh, other things on the way out to the Rumble. Best. Oh, and yeah. I love oh, Patrick yeah. Swayze so much. Anyway, this is such an amazing everyone, moment. everyone, everyone loves Patrick Swayze, right? I mean, I can say you that, right? Cannot, if, you, if you don't love Patrick Swayze, what the hell's wrong yeah, with you? Because he's got something for podcast. everybody. Yeah, he's amazing. He's he's macho. He's sensitive. He's, he's awesome, so awesome. He's fun. But like, he so goes crazy. out, and they're all leaving. They're piling their cars, and Swayze, being Mister Dancer, goes to the chain link fence, puts his hands on it, and does a handstand flip over the fence yep. for no reason. It is awesome. It is awesome. It, you know what? The reason he's doing it is the same reason I would do it if I could. Because I could. Yeah. And because they're about to go to the Rumble. Well, yeah, but but that's almost West Side Story, the way he's like, we're yeah, gonna, I'm going to do is. a flip and a dance and then, before and the then Rumble. And then randomly, there's a guy who's standing on a car who does a who does a backflip off the car. Oh, yeah. Right after that. Because, <laughs> yeah, like, we're going to go to the Rumble. Oh, man, I want to go to a Rumble now. Like, too bad they don't do Rumbles anymore. So, but the movie, it's so funny because not that kind of Rumble. <laughs> This movie, this movie had no rumble dancing. They did a little flip and a little excitement. A little flip and an excitement. But then when the fight happened, it was not like choreographed. A little like, well, well, it was fight choreography for the most part. I will well, say that, that right, as far as big, ninety percent of the fight was was just looked like a fight. It really did. They did a really nice job. But it looked like a it, really fun it fight. Look, a really oh good man, fight. like like. This I, is where the music worked really well, I think. This is, yeah, because yeah, and and this is where uh, this was what I needed out of Over the Top. By the way. Like, this is a movie that wasn't a crazy, like, you know, action movie of any sort. But it has a rumble. I wanted a damn rumble in Over the Top. I'm so mad that Over the Top didn't have a rumble. You had, like, a Vegas arm wrestling competition. Yeah, but that's not a rumble. Okay. I mean, like, I I would have taken... Look, here's the thing. Vegas is glitzy and great. Mm -hmm. But, like... That rumble in that muddy field. Mm. Oh, that was perfect. In the rain. With all the soches in there. Was as glorious and as classy as I need from a movie. This is the best part, though. The socials all show up. Like, they know they're going to a rumble. (laughs) Do you show up in your nicest khakis? I don't think so. That's all they have is nice nice khakis. Come on. They're in their sweater vests and khakis. It was like the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. But, like, yeah, the rumble was just like, it's just fists going everywhere. There's, like... Mostly good choreography. There's a couple of people that fall right in. I think Tom Cruise has a guy fall right into his arms yeah. into a headlock or something. Yeah, like, okay, you got me. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. or the guys that just stand there because they're being held, and it's like, okay, the camera's on you. Okay, wait. Yeah, okay, punch. You know, it's like it's a great moment. I like what they. I I I just love the way that it, it, it looked like. Honestly, not since A Clockwork Orange does a movie made violent seem so balletically fun. Yeah, it was, and I think it's because I I put a lot of credit on Swayze for being the guy who, who started. Yeah. And I loved at the beginning when the leader of the Soches is like a football player. Yeah. And 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 then Swayze and he look at each other. And it's like, Derry, Paul, Paul, was that his name? Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, and like, what's going on? They play they play football together because it shows the whole idea that this entire 
thing is such bullshit. Yep. It's it's one hundred percent bullshit. You know, and and that's why if this had ended the way it did, because it ends with just the rumble ends, everyone's beaten up, but no one's you know no one's seriously hurt because no one. And I was blown away because all this time I'm like they kept talking about how no, there's not going to be any knives, right. there's not going to be any chains in this fight. I'm like, and meanwhile, like you know, like there's all these characters that are armed throughout the movie right. with they various knives. knives. They, they all have, have like they have they have they have like lock knives, they have butterfly knives, they, have, they like everyone has a knife Switch or a gun blades. on them, yep. you know, all sorts of guns. There's Chekhov's guns th- and Chekhov's knives throughout this movie. There's only one literal Chekhov's gun, and that comes up in a yes. bit. But no, no one in the Rumble has a weapon. I was actually, I was almost pleasantly surprised because I, I expected, well I expected someone's going to get stabbed at the Rumble. I thought that's what I thought the movie was going towards. Mm-hmm. Like it would probably be Pony Boy, and you know, like or something. You know, like the sensitive guy gets stabbed at the, at the Rumble, and you know, and he's like whatever because he's like it, it, the movie was leading up to his death, except for I knew he didn't die because, you know, it begins with him writing that report. Right. You know, so it's obvious it's obvious he's not going to die. But at the same time, it's like the movie's like gearing up for it. So we go through this crazy, wacky rumble. You know, it really is like it's it's honestly, if you change the music to like banjo music, it would be a Hal Needham movie. <laughs> it would be like the end of a Cannonball Run movie. Just like craziness, and like Jackie Chan kicking people and stuff. But no, you know, it it, it it's just a fun, crazy fight. It actually, may, I, I really want to be in a rumble. I, I, I can't I can't help it. I just we yeah. should let's get a rumble together. No. OK, so then. But then if the movie had ended here with the, the victory, I mean, it would have been a really shallow movie, but it would have been the feel good hit of the year. Mm. And I think rumbling would have come back in a big way. Probably. I mean, Coppola tried to ride the rumble wave with rumble fish the next year. But like, I don't I think we, we kind of missed kind of missed the rumble. Like it could have been could have been bigger than third wave ska. Mm-hmm. It could have been a big thing. Could have been bigger than that swing revival. No, Just it didn't, rumbles. It didn't happen. No, it did not. No. So we get to the tragedy. Yeah. They get they're victorious. They like. Uh, you know, Pony Ponyboy gets beaten up pretty bad, but he's okay. Yeah, you know? and, and Dallas and and, and and all these, yeah, all these, uh, all these, uh, what you call it, um, these like portents of like bad things for Ponyboy kind of don't come to anything. Like yeah. him being sick, like whatever him him being someone who's not really a fighter, like which is caught, you know. Like him being, no, I'll be okay. I'll be okay. He is okay. He's beaten up badly, but he's okay. Well, and the and, first punch that's thrown is thrown at his face. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. I forgot. Like the way it begins is so hilarious because it's like di- out of nowhere, Denny comes. Dally. Dally. Not yeah. Sorry. Denny is from uh, Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. You managed to get Grey's Anatomy to my brain. Damn there you. I go, y'all. Da, da, da. All right. Anyway, so but he comes running out of nowhere. They're, they're 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 just talking. They haven't started the fight yet. And out of nowhere, he comes running. He's he broke out of the hospital. He's like, I'm not gonna miss the rumble. They don't start a rumble without. They don't me. start. No, yeah, they don't start a rumble without me. And then the moment he, I guess they don't because the moment he's he's like the check. He's like the the, the flag for the rumble. Yeah. Like the flag went down because like you see him like you see Thomas Howell turns around into a fist. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Like and then bam, it's rumble time. And it did yeah. like I'm sorry. I'm like. I we just went to the red. I'm yeah, sorry. I hope it. you weren't. I I hope you weren't listening on headphones, people. I'm sorry, but like so. But anyway, like so. Dylan ends up. Uh, Denny. Houston. Houston ends up. Dallas ends up taking him away. That's why I was calling him Dallas. So I was trying to keep the. So Dallas ends up taking him away in his car, and they're driving, and they get pulled over by the cops, and he pretends he's going to the hospital with him. Well, they are. They are going to the hospital to go see Johnny. But like he's like you know, but like the cop basically turns on the siren and gets in there faster. You know, it's like. But they walk in to see. They walk in to see Johnny, and it's like we won the rumble, and Johnny's like big deal. No, he says useless. Useless or whatever, and he's like, uh, you know, and basically, you know, like. You know, he's like, this doesn't matter. None of it matters. And then he dies. 
Well, no, he tells Ponyboy to stay. Oh, he tells, oh, yeah, he tells Ponyboy to stay gold. Of course, yeah, the, the most important line in the movie, and I completely forget. You know why? In the Commando episode, I talked about how Ali focused on emotional bits and plot resonances and misses the kills, which is the important part. This is not an action movie, but I was focusing on the kills apparently. So, um, so he 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 tells him to stay gold, and he dies. Well, yeah. You know, and then. You and know, nobody comes rushing in. Nobody the comes rushing in. Well, I guess, I guess, in. I mean, there's no life support system on No, him, there's though. nothing on like, him. Like, this right? is the 60s, I yeah. guess, you know. Like, you gotta, I, I have no idea when, like, the beep, beep, beep life support kind of thing started. I mean, it's it's existed my entire life yeah. as a trope, but I don't know. Maybe in the 60s they didn't have it. You know, I mean, heck, in the 60s, the Ghostbusters mobile was actually still a normal thing to have an ambulance out I mean, of, maybe know? he's in some kind of hospice situation because before, when we see him the first time, he's laying on his, with on his stomach. down with his well, stomach. Well, maybe, maybe they, they maybe, well, yeah, I'm, I'm, well, I thought it was because of burns also, yeah. but I think, I think also they've probably rotated him because he's going to get bed sores otherwise. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, on the cheerful cast. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, so Johnny dies. Johnny dies. And then, and, and Dallas doesn't take it very well. No, he takes off. He, well, first, this is like. Like he's he's like standing outside and, the, and like some like orderly or doctor or something tells him he can't be there and he whips out the gun that he was carrying earlier, uh, points it at his face, and like the guy's like ah you know and he pulls the trigger and it clicks and he's like it's not loaded you know he goes off like crazy man into the you know like yeah, he doesn't actually say it's not loaded but he he, he like pulls the trigger like five times yeah he's like click 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 yeah he's dry there. clicking into the guy's face yeah you know it's like oh dude yeah you, you and like. That's like that moment when you're like, yeah, okay, we've been setting up for this. Because yeah. he's been talking about how, you know, like how he survives and he's the one who survives everything. So he goes off and he's just like, he's inconsolable. Yeah. You know. And Ponyboy makes it home and, you know, like everyone's sad because, you know, like Johnny. they're all sitting around because of Johnny. And like they're like, they're all sitting, they had been sitting around celebrating because they won the Rumble, you know, like TV's on a test pattern, <laughs> you know, and they're all like partying about winning the Rumble. And then, you know, he shows up and, you know, lets them know they're all sad. And then it cut and, and, and basically, Dal goes to a you know a store and like a store that like a convenience store kind of thing. And yeah. he's like he's looking at the magazines and there's also these really huge enormous cornstarches. It's like apparently the place sells cornstarch and magazines. Yeah. You know, but he uh, you know like the guy does the this is not a lending library joke from The Simpsons, but in a less in a more rednecky way. You know, and he's like and he tears up a magazine in front of the guy and the guy's like hey you got to pay for that and he walks up and pulls his gun and robs the guy. You know, and, and as then, he's, making and he's, it he's out leaving the, door, the guy, because this is Oklahoma, the guy whips a gun out and just shoots at him. He gets hit in the back and he's running around. But you don't know he gets hit yet. Well, no, you don't. But but you know in like a scene. And, I, you know, we're yeah. not, we're not, we haven't been doing a, you know, like a blow by blow. Right. But like, so he ends up getting hit. He he calls, he calls, uh, you know, Derry uh, to let him know because, you know, they're both the two oldest guys, I guess. And, and he's the most responsible. He calls to let him know that he's, you know, you got to help me. I've been, you know, I, I robbed, you know, I, I robbed a store. You know, cops are after cops are me. after me. You know, and like, you and they've been, me. and 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 throughout the movie, there's obviously been this thing where you know, like, you hide, you hide your own, even if they committed a crime, because they right. were, you know, they were hiding, you know, everyone after the manslaughter, you know. So, you know, they go to meet him in the park, and they all they all pile in and run to like try and get there as fast as they can, and um, the, uh, you know, and the cops corner him, and he has a gun, and he won't drop the gun, and they just they just fill him with lead and like, and everyone's running to try and stop them yelling. It's unloaded. It's not loaded. It's yeah. not loaded. But you know, he just gets, and he gets just blown away. Yeah. Like it is like peck and paw. He's like, I mean, it's, it's, it's done in a long shot, which I think makes it much more effective. Yeah, so, but you so, see so him fly so. through the air. One of the times he gets hit and then he goes the other direction because yep. they're, they're surrounding him and just shooting him, you know? And he, so he goes down spoiler. Uh, he doesn't survive the movie. 
Um, and then it turns into, like, we kind of get the epilogue where, you know, C. He's, Thomas Howell is reading the copy of Gone with the Wind that was given to him. He, like, opens the copy of Gone with the Wind that he had gone. Because he had been, been reading, reading it that to, to Johnny. To and Johnny. then when Johnny was not able to, you know, basically do anything, he asked him to continue to read the book to him. So he, he goes and buys another copy and brings it to. Actually, he makes 2-Bit buy it. 2-Bit buys it. Well, they bring another copy to <laughs> Sorry, the hospital. i got to give mad credit to 2-Bit. We'll yeah. come back to 2-Bit in a minute. Yeah. And uh, when he when he comes when he, he apparently the nurse gives him back the copy of Gone with the Wind and there's a there's like a letter that she's you know written for him in there from uh, yeah, obviously that Johnny dictated because he couldn't write and um, go ahead yeah and then so and he, and and he, so he's reading this letter actually what happens he looks at the letter and then it's now it would have been bad enough little 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 bit overblown had it been the voiceover yeah of. You know, but but still expected. It's common trope, you know, of, uh, you know, like Johnny's voiceover reading it. But then, like, instead of that, so he's in the middle of the screen. And then, like, <laughs> and then a, a superimposed, like. Like, like a good old 80s, uh, you know, back like, in the day. Uh, like, 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 like on a, the variety show when the yeah. music guests would be singing and then another picture of their face from another angle would, yes. like, fade in. Yes. Like, up there, so it's like, it's like he's talking from heaven, <laughs> I guess. And he's, he's, he's just saying, like, you know, the whole thing of, like, hey, you know. I, I what we what I did to save their lives it was worth it their lives were, were were worth more than mine I did a good thing you know the world is you know like and he says I think I figured out what stay gold means it's about you know when you're young you're gold you're bright you know and you're a kid you're gold and you know you lose that you know and you're you're a great curious person you you notice things like you look at the sunset and you see things that I you know I wouldn't see without you telling me about it you know and then um and he keeps you know, talking about he Dallas. Keeps talking about, like, the, yeah, that's what I was trying. Yeah, I was trying to get that out. Like Dallas, you know, he's like, I don't think Dallas ever sees that, you know. And and then it like keeps cutting to pitch, like Matt Dillon on the other side, like yeah. superimposing the same shot, like being cool or looking surly and smoking and like whatever. Oh, this movie has a lot of cigarettes in it, uh, you know. But because um, it was the '60s, but like it is the it is so it doesn't work for me because it's too much. Well, then the last moment when he finishes the the you know the the letter. They do like like Johnny like fills the screen. Oh yeah, then it slips right over. That is B movie, and that's what. And this scene is what I'm talking about when I say he has a B movie sensibility. Yes, I know. You know, and I have a I have a I have a a a weird relationship with Coppola because I when I like a Coppola movie, I like it well enough. But I always feel like I like those movies in spite of him. Yeah. I always feel like he's his own worst enemy. Like this could have been a really good movie. If like it had not had these weird ham-fisted moments in it, I am gonna I am gonna give a huge high five to him though. At the very end of the movie, um, you know, they, they right before the credits roll, they he posts up there that um, oh yeah th- that this was the the reason that this film was even made was because the and it's dedicated to the the librarian. And the kids from this, this particular school who like really pushed for it to get yeah he made. had no no intention of making a movie about like teen angst and yeah. whatever at all and, these, they, they and they really talked him into it so yeah. he gave them credit and apparently yeah. he had such an amazing experience that during the middle of it he was writing the screenplay for Rumblefish yeah. you know based on another S. E. Hinton novel and again S. E. Hinton played uh, his nurse who yeah. oh I, yeah you know, I, which we mentioned in passing already so I think that's like a pretty good wrap up for the, the most part yeah. I just I, I just want to go back because oh uh, two bit. Well, not just two bit. In general, uh, I I believe though I had never seen The Outsiders, I actually remember like I took one of those internet quizzes. Oh my god! And didn't you take it too? I don't remember. All right. Well, I'm going to tell you, I got as what character from The Outsiders I was. I got two bit, and the description was that like you know a guy who talks all the time, motor like is a motor mouth, kind of immature, you know. 
do, does things not the best, you know, the best fashion, uh, wears a lot of Mickey Mouse shirts. And I was like, oh, God. And when I said that to Allie ages ago, she's like, oh, my God, you totally are two-bit. And I was like, what? And like, yeah, you're Emilio Estevez. And I, I Googled immediately, like, Emilio Estevez uh, outsiders. And every picture of me is in a Mickey Mouse shirt. And I own about five shirts with Mickey and Mouse. And one of them on. is the exact shirt. It's oh, yeah. The same I, color blue and everything. Yeah, I like, well, he, he wears more than one. Yeah, he has he more does. than one Mickey Mouse shirt. It's very weird. But, um, but the, <laughs> and so now my question to you is, if you were to take that test, who do you think you were? Which outsider are you? Oh, now, you can't you can't be Diane Lane, even though that's probably closer to your your real personality, you know, because um, you come from the right side of the tracks. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I'm probably a mix between dairy and uh, soda pop. And I don't know. Maybe I got Pony Boy. I don't know. Oh, uh, you, you see. Oh, come on, man. You're a Johnny. You're a Johnny. You think I'm a Johnny? You're a Johnny. You're a Johnny. Big <laughs> eyes, sad. You know. You... you think I'm sad? Oh yeah, you're sad. You're like you're just sad that you're dealing with this guy who's just dominating your podcast over you, and you've got a scar on your cheek from where that that social with the ring beat you. And okay, maybe you're not Johnny. You, like... you know what? You you actually do karate better than Ralph Macchio. So <laughs> so in a way, I guess you can't be. That's impressive um, considering I do taekwondo. But but you know what? It doesn't matter. You still do karate. Better than him. But um, I was gonna say though. Oh, oh, oh I have one other thing. Go, I, 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 I right on the ahead. class thing. I totally forgot to mention one of the, my favorite touches. I don't know if it's in the book or or what. One of my favorite touches about class in this is the first time you see Diane Lane's character, she's getting out of Bob's car because he's drunk and yep. trying to like make the moves on her and she doesn't want to deal with it. you know. And she storms off and she goes to an area. And meanwhile, the uh, the the greasers have, I can't remember if they broke in or if they came in paid, but they, they're, 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 they're walking into the drive-thru and they're sitting in the, in the, in the drive-in, pardon me. They're sitting in the drive-in theater in like, fold, like the area of folding chairs for people who don't have cars. Yeah. All the socias are in Mustangs, which I love, by the way. It, like, they all have Mustangs. It's amazing. Well, except for there's, there's one, one guy caddy. in the back with a caddy. But, you know, like, there's so many Mustangs. But I love that bit because the greasers are all having to go to the chairs because they don't have cars to right, drive. Right, right. You know, as much as a, the greaser you think of as car culture, these guys are too poor. Yeah, they they're, don't have money. They're not greasers in, like, a, hey, we're the Fonz kind of way. Yeah, they're like greasers in, like. works at the gas station. Yeah, they're, gre- yeah, they're, they're grease monkeys, really, yeah. when you get down to it. They're not, you know, they're, they're the guys who, you know, get the dead end, you know, the dead end job that's manual labor based that doesn't have any room for advancement right. make just enough to provide for their families if they're lucky you know hopefully stay out of jail like that's their lives and it's so that I don't think anything really illustrates that so much better than like you know walking to a drive to a drive in theater you know like there's just something about that that really like spoke to me and also by the way another note but because you, they established so much that the Mustang is the Socha's car it's too expensive they can't yeah. you know when when uh, they're walking alone, when they're, when they're walking at night, every time you see a Mustang, like they, the, you, the cars are driven in such a way you can see that horse logo, yeah, clearly enough in every shot that you know a Mustang's pulling up, and you know that it's dangerous. You know that it's dangerous. It, like it's so running. well done the way yeah, they they, they do that. Really and I, I I I really like that. It's just a little bit of a little bit of thing where I, like you see a Mustang and you know it's trouble. Yeah, the movie like it's it's uh, it's it's so. It's they 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 establish it early totally well and they done. hit it just enough that every time you see every time you see a Mustang you know bad things are about to happen. So, so Except real, for the Rumble, which was awesome when all the Mustangs so re- pulled up. So real quick, um, probably my favorite thing that you said throughout this whole movie that didn't get said was uh, there's a moment where Two Bit um, Two Bit's there because uh, Derry and and Soda Pop have to go uh, to work and they're they're worried about leaving Pony Boys after the whole oh, um, church. <laughs> You know, the fire and the whole thing and Johnny's in the hospital and they don't, you know, they're like, I don't know, maybe we should stay home. And he's like, no, you can, we can't afford it if you stay home. So and two bits like I can watch I can watch him. I can babysit. And he's like, yeah, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So two bits there 
And, um, and two bits like basically their age. He's so. basically there, but he uh, he gets he he pulls out a, a chocolate cake and a Budweiser and a Budweiser. Now remember, it's like eight o'clock in the morning, and and he sits down in front of the TV while which while is playing a, Mo- a Mickey Mouse a Mickey cartoon, Mouse cartoon. Uh, that classic one with the trailer, the trailer uh, with he and Mickey Goofy in the and trailer, Donald. Yeah, and 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 um, while Pony Boy is cleaning up, okay, so you see him like sit down with that, and then the the next words out of John's mouth are. Tubit is my spirit animal. It's <laughs> the best moment. Well, yeah, I, I and uh, by the way, I don't even know where he got that cake. It's like no, he suddenly had a cake. Suddenly there was a cake. It it's like it's like he pulled it out from a pocket. <laughs> like it was like boom, there's a cake. A and something, I, I like I want I like I was like that's what I want out of life. I just want to sit and watch <laughs> Disney car. I want to sit on the floor with a chocolate cake and a beer and watch Disney cartoons. That is the most amazing yeah. life. If I if I were to recreate exactly how it went, it would is that is that a chocolate cake and a beer? Tubit is my spirit animal. <laughs> yeah. And then I remembered he was literally watching one of the greatest Mickey Mouse cartoons yeah, of all time. Exactly. I mean, what a lucky guy. And oh, and and oh, and one very quick other thing that like now now that you're staring at me because she's trying to get me. She's not doing the wrap it up signal, but she's giving me the wrap it up stare. Yeah. But I I just wanted to get in uh, one other detail that I forgot to mention at the drive through. They're playing the Beach Blanket. Right. They're, they're playing the bingo. They're, it, it's the yeah. It's Beach Blanket Bingo and Muscle, Muscle Beach, Beach Party. Party are playing those Annette. They were at, you know the Annette and Frankie Beach Party movies, which were done by AIP, which Coppola you know worked for. I don't think he directed those, but you know like. I think but it was I think that was a nod, you know, like kind of like the way Jonathan Demme always throws in like his, uh, you know, like a lot of the a lot of the stable of uh, of Corman actors. Yeah. You know, it's sort of, a you know, but uh, I just that was just something I thought. So I'm going to say this now, now that we now that I've gotten your signal um, was The Outsiders worth revisiting. hundred percent. Yes. Not even a question. It was great. It's a great movie. Yes, it has some weird B movie tropes. That's just a little awkward and weird. And some of the bizarre music things that are just like but in the in the long run yeah and a couple of like really heavy-handed lines but truthfully it's a really beautiful movie the story is just it it really holds up and i think it really lasts and there's a lot to i think there's a lot to learn from it even even now yeah i would say yeah was um, it worth watching uh yeah I, I i do think it was worth watching um you know i i, I think i came into this movie a little later in life than i should have yeah. to see it you know like i think if i had seen it when i was a little younger it would have resonated a little better yeah. but i think it is it is one of those like classic it it, it it is a great adolescence movie yes you know it it's it it has a feel of just some, like growing up and like and it, it it's fairly mature uh in like like it's it's concept of like you know it knows these people are adolescents it knows they're going through crap but it also presents them they're not always they're not always heroic and the socius aren't always the worst people in the world right and they're not fighting all the time like you see them on neutral ground like where they just deal with each other you know it's just that they're in different worlds and you know and they're perpetuating their like that the social way that they grew up with and I, but yeah, I think I think it's a it's it's a fairly good movie. And I want to clarify, I I don't think the B movie elements actually sink this. I don't. I, no, I, I actually know. I actually I love B movies. I'm just saying they they are occasionally inappropriate, mm-hmm. not as inappropriate as the music. And good God, we didn't we didn't talk about how too much about how terrible that Stay Gold song is. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, Stevie, Stevie, you you did so many great things, so many great things. Why? But um, but yes, I would say it's definitely worth watching. I I. I would say if you are young and you haven't seen it, see it while you're young. Yeah, it's better Cause, younger. Because to be honest, yeah, I'm 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 father. I'm a father. I'm as I'm old. I'm older than than Tom Waits was when this movie was filmed. I think. Yeah. You know, like 
and he was playing an old man. Not an old man, but, like, he was playing, like, a guy at a bar, you right. know? <laughs> like, he's not, you know, like... So, yeah, watch it. It's worth seeing, especially if you're younger, you know? It it holds up. It's It's definitely got some moments and some cheesiness. It's not... I would never put it in my list of favorite movies I've ever seen, but, you know, there's a lot of good movies out there, so, you know, not a lot of great movies don't make that list. You know, worth seeing. Worth seeing. All right. So I guess uh, I guess we can kind of start wrapping it up. Uh, you know, we are uh, a match made in space. You can visit our website, uh, matchmadeinspace.com. You can follow us on Twitter at M-M-I-S podcast. That stands for Match Made in Space for people who are bad with acronyms. Uh <laughs> You can also, if you want to contact us in a longer form, uh, you can send uh, your missives to matchmadeinspace at gmail.com. That's both the website and Gmail do not have A at the beginning uh, for various reasons, which I can't remember. It seemed like a good idea at the time. And you can, if you aren't already, you can just uh, listen to us on the iTunes podcast. Yeah, you can listen to us on iTunes. We probably have an affiliate link for this, so you can probably order oh, yeah. by The Outsiders. I'm sure it'll be relatively inexpensive. Mm-hmm. Supposedly there's a special edition, which uh, which I've never seen, Ooh. called the novel version, which has 22 minutes of additional footage. <gasps> I learned that this afternoon when I was Ooh. like doing research so 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 maybe i'll look for an affiliate link for that one yeah um it cut it has it has some additional scenes i think you find out more clearly why he does and how he doesn't get taken away from his family Mm. you know and i think there's scenes before they go to the movies i think there's like build up to that more um yeah it's it's made to look more to be more like the novel it's like scenes were reinserted that were cut um and uh that's that's i guess basically it um Next week, uh... next week we're next week. It's my turn, yeah. and next week uh, we're going to see another. Uh, I'm not going to give too much of a hint, but we're going to say welcome back to another actor who has been here before. Yep. So Emilio will not be our only two timer. That's right. You know, or oh, actually, no, no, I forgot. Biff, uh, Biff Yeager was Biff our Yeager's first two timer. Twice, yeah. Yeah, you know, but uh, I'm sure there's others that we just uh, haven't yeah, noticed yet. Noticed yet, yeah. But um, yeah, so next week's my choice. It's right. going to be. It's going to. It's going to be a bit of an action movie, bit of a violent movie, bit of a cop movie, bit of all that. Um, Allie's never seen it, and uh, she will now. All right, and uh, she's well, not going to be happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> this is a match made in space. Signing off. Stay gold. <laughs>